We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. It is going to be your Thursday, March 9th episode. Thanks for being here. Thanks for stopping by, continuing to make the OBR part of your everyday podcast rituals. I am joined by Jordan Zerm. I think we have a good show for you today, hitting on a lot of things that are pretty pertinent right now. And we're going to start um, by, well, first we'll welcome Jordan in. What's up, Left Coaster? How's life treating you out there? What's up, man? Um, life is good. Weather here, you know, has been very midwestern of late so feeling right feeling real clevelandy uh these days out here but uh no man life hoodie is season? good hoodie season uh, out there? it is hoodie season man which honestly is my favorite season anyway and we don't get mm-hmm. enough of it here so i'm um i'm actually flourishing right now i'm just every morning i wake up and i just like prance around the streets of my neighborhood um in my in my in my hoodie but uh no man things are good we uh this I was going to mention this to you before we went on, but I'll just mention it now. We had a, a wild thing happen tonight where, um, for sporting news, it was supposed to be Kevin Durant's home debut for the Suns tonight. And we have mm. one of uh, the people that work on my social team uh, lives in Phoenix. So we got her a credential and we sent her and we were like, hey, just, you know, go capture, you know, the the first player intro, first time he's introduced as a son. And, you know, maybe he has a huge game and all that. Uh, Kevin Durant is warming up. Uh, he goes for a layup and he like tweaks, like twists his ankle. It's this really awkward thing that happens to him in the layup line. Um, and he gets back up and it seems all fine. But my, um, the person we sent captures this video and we post it. Um, and then about 10 minutes after we post it, uh, the Suns announced that Kevin Durant is out for the game because he tweaked his ankle so we have this video and uh of of the moment it happened and it get it gets picked up everywhere uh and it's just flying right now so anyway this happened right like very shortly before we started recording so it just has been a very uh wild social media night because we happen to be like one of the only outlets that captured the moment that durant just going for a simple layup came down and tweaked his ankle and is now um not playing tonight and is out so Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant not playing with injury. Uh, I know. All the crazy. Our mentions, they're just like, you know, is he like the skinny Anthony Davis? And I'm like, yeah, that's... <laughs> oh, that's a terrible ankle rule. I'm currently watching it. <laughs> oh, it's oh, so bad. Man. And somebody took a screenshot uh, in our mentions of his ankle, like when it's, at, it's like touching the ground as it, as he turns. I mean, it's, it, it didn't, oh, it doesn't I'm, look... I'm currently terrible. paused too. Two seconds in. Yeah, Two seconds in. bad, man. Ooh. But it's just it's just wild. Like we just were expecting, you know, hopefully to have some fun. Like, oh, the crowd goes wild as Kevin Durant is introduced, and we ended up getting uh, maybe one of the only videos of of the injury. So anyway, life is a life is a social media manager, man. It's it's wild out here. Yeah, I'm looking at a 985,000 views. That will be um, yeah, yeah, that yeah, will hit a mill. Be, 
that'll be okay. Maybe a couple yep. mil by the morning. Um, not too bad. Not yeah, too bad. there it is. That's how Jordan makes money. So go watch the video and support him. How's that sound, everybody? <laughs> Please um, help feed my family. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. That's good yeah. stuff. Poor KD. Um, there yeah. was actually something I wanted to say about uh, Kevin Durant that tied into to my my Kyle Bridges. Oh yeah, this is a part of our Lamar discussion. So. We'll get there. I promise. I'll, uh, this is going to circ full circle, that's Kevin a, Durant. That's a teaser, point. folks. That's what that, that is. That is a teaser. It, my light bulb just went on. I hope you could hear it. So, listen, we got to talk about Lamar because we're two days into this now. Now, I, I did a 10-minute soft open on it yesterday, just hit kind of my initial thoughts, hinted at collusion, hinted at how weird it was. And I certainly have seen more understandable angles, how many owners have the escrow to actually do it. Uh, most teams understanding that no matter what really is offered, the, the Ravens are going to match it for, for the most part. There's a lot of very plausible explanations for why, but I continue to in my head, Jordan, as you, you know, people are picking apart Lamar Jackson, the quarterback it's happening right in front of us. And it's funny to me, but like there are like 12 humans on planet earth that are pretty damn good at this job. And, and we're sitting here picking apart Lamar Jackson as unable to to be worthy of a 230 40 50 million dollar guaranteed contract and i kind of just like think people are losing track of that right you can pick them apart you can talk about some throwing regression you can talk about yeah i certainly think listen greg roman's a, a tough coordinator to to pull off miracles with and they have not done any favors to that wide receiver group but people are picking him apart and i'm like you you guys really understand that, yeah, Lamar has some flaws, but there's like 12 guys on planet Earth that can do this really well, and he's one of them. And we're we're arguing over some some just really silly things here. Where if I was a team, I would just I would just offer because what if the Ravens don't match it? Like, what if they don't? And you have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. So I just think we're overcomplicating a lot of this. And maybe it's not collusion. I do think the owners are certainly <laughs> Let me put it this way. I think they're they're okay with some of the things that would that they knew or hinted at all got together and hey, what if we all didn't type of thing? I, I I'm not saying that that the, the this is full on because you can't really say it right now, two days into the operation. If we're still having the same discussions in, you know, August, I think you can get a little more concrete in your evidence at that point. But the way this is unfolding, I get, I just did not see it unfolding like this. The moment the transition tag happened, uh, sorry, not transition tag, non-exclusive tag happened. Like I thought there would be teams lining up big offers that, that the Ravens just would be unable to match. But I have just been on the wrong side of this prediction. So I'm, I'm curious, as I laid out a lot of thoughts that have gone through my head, like where you're at with it now a couple days into this whole, uh, I don't even know what the right word is. It a uh, spectacle maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you and I were texting about it. I think, I, I don't think I've ever seen like, you know, this report comes out that he's getting the non-exclusive tag. This is a, he's first of all, he's 26. Uh, he's a former MVP, like not that far removed. And I don't think I've ever seen in my life, the quickness with which, people in these organizations hit up NFL insiders to have them tweet out that they're not interested. Like, I think I saw Diana Rossini tweet that the Falcons will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson like five minutes after that non-exclusive was tag was recorded. Yeah. And it's just like, that to me is the strangest part. Yes, there are legitimate reasons why certain teams may not want to, A, you know, spend that kind of money or – you know, they, they want to be able to develop the rest of their team, whatever. But like the quickness with which like six to seven teams told reporters that they weren't interested was really, really odd to me. Um, and I think like the other thing too, like to your point, now there's a spotlight on Lamar and now there's like questions like, oh, why don't these teams, why are all these teams saying they don't want to pursue him and they're breaking down his game, but I think people forget how young he is. And, and two, the other thing, yeah, is like he has been ever since his MVP season. I mean, the Ravens have not adapted their offense at all <laughs> as the league sort of got, got familiarized with like, okay, the Ravens caught us by surprise on this season, whatever his MVP year, 2018, 19, I forget which one it was, but like, 
there has been no sort of adaptation offensively. So you have a quarterback who had a lot of success in a certain offense. And as one side of the ball um, adapts to, to take away the things that they were good at during his MVP season, you just have Greg Roman and company who are just like, no, we're just going to keep doing this. Um, and you, you've touched on their offense and how high school simple it was and, and all of that. Like, and, and their skill position players, the drafting of those players. Um, I mean, like they have really done Lamar absolutely no favors. Now is his injury history obviously is going to obviously plays into this a little bit. And maybe that scares some teams off from throwing, you know, these guaranteed money numbers around. But I, if it was any, <laughs> I try to think about like any other big name QB that's on the level of, of Lamar Jackson. I mean, you just look at like what people are doing with Aaron Rodgers right now. If, if somebody became available on the market, that's that. And you're seeing with Aaron Rodgers where, you know, there's going to be teams that are like, yeah, absolutely. We want that player. You know, like there's the New York jets are putting on a full court press for Aaron Rodgers because like you just don't get players at the quarterback position that become available. Um, like that that often so yeah i mean i don't know if it's like a full-on collusion but we already know that the ravens were upset with the browns for giving Deshaun all that money we've heard like you know anonymous scouts and anonymous gms and people that have given quotes about how you know that guaranteed money is crazy and they're they're pissed that the browns reset the quarterback market so i have no doubt in my mind that there are a handful of owners that have talked to each other and are like, we're not going to do this. If he's asking for Deshaun Watson guaranteed money, we're not doing it because that gives the power that takes the power out of their hands. Um, and if there's one thing we know about rich white owners, it's like they want to have that power. So like, yeah, I don't think it's far fetched to think that like there's a league wide thing going on here. Um, and I just think the other thing for me too, is like, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, the Ravens are just going to match. It's like, okay, but, does Lamar want to be there? Like the non-exclusive tag is, is kind of a, uh, we're willing to sort of take this risk, you know, even if they are going to match, if they were planning on matching it, just give him the exclusive tag. You know, like I, it, it to me is just, I wonder how far down the line these two parties are in terms of like, this is not reconcilable. So like, sure, maybe they match. Does Lamar play? Does Lamar want to play for them? Is he going to make things complicated? So again, like you said, to your point, like other teams knowing that you would at least reach out and be like, okay, what can I do? What can we do? Um, and, and would Lamar be like, yeah, I, I'm, I do not want to play for the Ravens this season. Like, yeah, it's just very odd. But again, I think to my going all the way back, the quickness of which the teams put it out there that they weren't interested, that makes me, very wary of like, yeah, something's going on here. I don't know exactly if it's like all 20 teams had a call and were like, this is this, but like, it was just, I've just never seen anything like that for a player of Lamar's caliber. Yeah. And even like some thoughts that have come to my head, I want to, I want to hit on like NBA restricted free agency is pretty popular. We just saw it with DeAndre Ayton Phoenix. Ironically, yeah. you're talking about, we got everything going full circle. The teams too. offer them offer sheets all the time. And yeah, All like, you know, people will be like, well, Lamar isn't worth it. Do you think that like DeAndre Ayton is worth like a full on guaranteed contract? No, but teams ma- like you, they offer it, sign it, and then teams will match it. Like that's well within the Ravens, right? But you don't see like, <laughs> for example, and again, we're not talking about like a, a, a slot corner or a, a place kicker here. We're talking about the right. hardest position to solve in sports. And, and it's just, it's amazing and to me you- how... Go ahead. I just wanted to quickly say, if you are an organization and a team, like you think about like the Falcons um, with uh, well, blanking on the coach's name, Arthur Smith, Arthur, Arthur Smith, because Arthur blank Arthur owns them. Arthur Smith. Coaches yeah, them. yeah, I know. It was, yeah. The two Arthurs. But if you think about like as an organization, you have a pretty creative uh, and smart offensive head coach um, who was able to do some things before the season kind of fell apart with freaking Marcus Mariota with the sort of skill position they have where their offense for a while was like a pretty good offense. You're telling me that like, you don't think you could put him into a system like that with a smart offensive coach. Who's going to play to your strengths. And like Lamar's not going to improve. Like that's crazy to me. So like, it's that type of thing where like put him 
with a coach and with a team that is competent and is going to do things that are going to accentuate like what Lamar is good at. I mean, he's 26. Like, yeah. So that, that part of it is wild too. Like why wouldn't you at least offer him something? Well, that's the thing that somebody there's a couple funny points that came out today and it was from a more national writer, but they're like, yeah, man, a lot of these teams would just love to, to, you know, offer up an offer sheet and then he signs it, you know, and Baltimore matches it. And then you've upset your quarterback room. And it's like, Hey man, I bet Desmond Ritter in Cincinnati wouldn't really care. Kind of like the funny thing is, is this is what popped into my head a minute ago when, when we were talking about the Suns is like Mikel Bridges gets traded for, for Kevin Durant. And he, they, they had, I'm sure you saw at the social media where yes. they're like, who is your favorite player growing up? And he's like, Kevin Durant. And he's like, you know, yeah. if I'm going to get traded, like it's an ultimate compliment that like, Kevin Durant yeah, is who I got traded for. He basically was like, I get it. If Kevin Durant yeah. was available, I would trade me too. Somebody was like, yeah, like if Washington, like, oh, but what about Sam Howell? I was like, are you guys being serious? Yeah, that's the what thing. If- that's like a con- <laughs> like you, they're pursuing Lamar Jackson. It's like, I get it. If those guys aren't self-aware enough to be like third, fourth, fifth round selections like they were and be like offended that the Browns would pursue or sorry, the Browns, that your team would pursue Lamar Jackson, then you have no, it's just no self-awareness, man. So like, it's kind of wild to me that that's a point. Um, and then somebody had talked about just another funny point that I saw today about like where the Ravens are. And I had made, I made that tweet. I think you referenced where I said, would you show me how, how you would grow as a passer in a Greg Roman offense? And someone's like, yep. you know, they, 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 they didn't help him. I, I've talked about how they didn't help a wide receiver. And then they're like, well, they didn't do much with Hollywood Brown. I said, hey, go back and look at Hollywood Brown's last season, 2021, when he had 91 catches, a th- over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns, and then they just traded him. Like, yep. I just yep. am, like, amazed at how people are so quick to dismiss Lamar as a passer without looking and understanding it, why he struggled as a passer or why the volume has been has been limited. And especially when you just watch Jalen Hurts do the things that I think Lamar is better than him at, and you're unwilling to to give him the right support system scheme and talent around him. Like I, it's like we're and it's Browns fans who don't like the Ravens, and I largely get that. But like, this is some real stretching stuff happening yeah, here. The, the, it's kind of crazy this. to me. Like again, I go back to there are 12 human beings who can do this at a high level on Earth, and you're just sort of trying to write it off. You're like trying to. You're trying to like write this guy off and say he's not worth it. And I th- I think there's just some weird stuff going on. And and again, I don't want to be idiots here because you and I could go back to this pod in two months when Miami offers him the truckload or somebody offers him a lot. And like Detroit, God, Detroit would be so smart to do it. I- I've seen some really, really, you know, fun things to follow for how Detroit could pull it off. But, you know, at the minimum, man, if my team really needs a quarterback, like they really need it. How are you not just giving an off? Because again, like if the Ravens match it, then then they match it. But if they don't, if they don't happen to match it, you got Lamar Jackson, you know. And it's like I do think there is a world where, to your point just a minute ago, Lamar's like, I don't want anything to do with these guys. And if they yeah. take, if they match this, I'm not playing for you, like just not doing it. And and I think that that's very possible and could could sway. Baltimore off a lot of this. The thing we don't know is how healthy that relationship is. We're presuming it's dead, but we haven't really heard anything. It could just be like arbitration based where, Hey, it's just business, you know, yeah. and, and so on and so uh, forth. He has and, put and, some, um, he's put some interesting stuff on various social media platforms that are, I mean, they're very like subliminal stuff, but like mm-hmm. where it, it's where you just are kind of like, like he had one the other day about like, let people talk, let people, whatever, you know, you move in silence or whatever. I, it just doesn't – these are not posts you put up when uh, when things are going well, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You have to – if you have intel, especially, like I'm sure some of these NFL teams do about, like, what that relationship is like. Yeah, to your point, why not offer? Why not force Baltimore to match um, at a number that they don't want to – maybe they don't want to match at. Or maybe, yeah, Lamar tells them, hey, you can match this. I'm not playing for you. So, yeah. I, I just think – you know, and maybe in the coming weeks, we'll we'll see reports that like, okay, they actually, you know, these teams are reaching out and these teams are coming back to it. But like, just the initial wave of no's was it was just wild. 
It was jarring. It was jarring. But again, I don't want to be like collusion. And then Miami offers some bananas contract or something. And then we're like, okay, delete that pod. Right. That <laughs> right. But it, the, the nature of how many no's came out right away, you cannot just ignore how weird that was. Like that would be like seven teams when like understanding that who's the top free agent, like Jesse Bay and like teams need the Browns came out. The, the seven teams came out and said, no, we're actually not pursuing a quarterback or a, a free safety. So but that, that's like, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And I'm trying to think of like the equivalent of other sports players of this nature. Like if, 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 you know, I'm, t- I'm thinking like Lamar's top 12 quarterback, like I'm trying to think like a Devin Booker again, for relating everything to the Suns. Like if he's on the market, yeah. he gets to free agency. You're going to have a bunch of teams like, actually, we're not really interested in upgrading two guard. So we're not going to do that. This doesn't yeah. happen. If he goes to restricted free agency, they just, it just is it, the nature of all of that was like very prove a pointy. And I, I just didn't like it. I just really didn't like nope, it because not at all. the NFL should be fighting for guaranteed contracts anyway. So I don't know, man, any, any other aspects of that you want to hit on? I I, I think, like no, I said, I, think, I covered it today and I think we kind of flushed it all out here, but yeah, no, I think all those are really good points. I mean, I, you know, I don't, the thing about owners too, I just don't, I don't trust owners. Like I know what their motivations are. Their motivations are money and how they can, you know, save money and create the best roster possible and and make the most money. And it's like, so yeah, I just don't, I don't want, I, I would never dismiss the idea of like the owners coming and talking together and being like, we're going to make an example out of Lamar Jackson. Like I, like that to me is is not something that I think is out of the range of possibilities. And uh, like you said, like I mean, the NFL is the only league where it's like you can just get cut and have and and not make any of the money that's in your contract. You know, the guarantees that these teams give players is so small that yeah, it's just like it, it should be the norm that like guaranteed contracts are are a thing. Um, and it, it's so like anti-player, it's crazy. So like I'm sure the NFLPA is already being like, what's going on? You know, so um, I have a feeling this is not over in terms of that conversation between those two parties. Yeah, long road to travel for both sides. So um, we'll see. Like I said, it's early. This thing could run out past the draft before a team puts an offer sheet to him and then pushes the draft picks into the following year. Again, the, the he could sign whatever tag and end up still being traded. There's a lot of aspects to this to still work out uh, that, that are interesting. And you don't want to get too far you know, card out in front of the horse here or anything like that. But, but again, it's just, the, the it was weird. It was just, I can't ignore how weird that all was. And um, I'm not, I really don't feel obligated to, because it's not like we haven't seen the NFL settle a collusion lawsuit uh, before. So, you know, again, take that for what it's worth, folks. We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk about Kevin Stefanski, talking to other people. That's what we're doing. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we finally got a bit of an unfiltered version of Kevin. He goes on, um, what's what's uh, what's that called? Uh, I'm not a huge uh, listener of... Uh, pardon, pardon my take. Pardon, pardon my take. That's right. So he goes on pardon my take which is out there. You can find it. They have a pretty massive, massive following on social. So you can, you can very easily Google that and find the uh, um, video uh, podcast. If you would like, if you um, are interested in listening, if you've been living under a rock, it's, it's been all over the place, but um, listen, man, this is a, a very unfiltered version of Kevin that we, that we got in this thing. And, and um, almost too aware of the things people say about him on social media, perhaps, I don't know what you thought. What did you think of uh, a lot of the things he had to say? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I need to know that, like how this interview happened when somebody was like, Kevin Stefanski is on pardon my take. I was like, what? <laughs> like, why? I feel like he's been it's on just... with those guys before. Like he's done something with them Has before. He? I don't know where the connection started, but I'm pretty sure I've heard of him doing something with them with them I mean, before. They've, they've and I had, couldn't find they've it. Had other coaches on like Sean McVay has been on, you know, so they've, They've had coaches on before. I just didn't like it's just such a random time for him to go on. And so I don't know what the connection is there, but um, it, it was just very or where it was um, like, where did he meet up with these were, guys? Like, was it was it at the combine? Was it like in a hotel room at the combine? Because yeah. They were the most like not nondescript conference room I think I've ever seen. Um, I think you're right. It is like there's some really, you know, boring art on the wall. It, it probably was. Yeah. They just got him yeah. there. There has to be something. He must like them or there's some angle here that we know so little about Kevin. Like we've got an right. idea of a lot of, a lot of coaches, especially like McVeigh, who you just mentioned. I just don't feel like we have a very good idea of like, is Kevin sarcastic? Like, what is he really like? And you got a pretty good idea of what he's like in this, in this, in this video, it, I think. Yeah. I mean, you and I were talking like, this is by far the most like personality showing interview. Um, that I think we've ever seen from Kevin. And I think like if you were a person who has been wanting more emotion or just some sort of like connection, something to connect with from Kevin, you know, th- this, this is the interview for you. Um, I, I thought it was, you know, I think there's two points with the interview one. I mean, I thought it was, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge, I'm not a barstool person. I don't, um, I don't love sort of their brand and, and a lot of things that they've done, but, I, I will say that the, the two guys that host the podcast, um, Big Cat and, and um, uh, PFT commentator, PFT commenter, excuse me, um, are very good at, in an interview setting. They're, they're very funny, um, just kind of effortlessly can, can be funny, can get their guests to relax. And um, so I just thought it was actually like a, a genuinely good interview. Um, they had Kevin sort of talk about, you know, some of the stuff uh, as a coach and like where it's just... You know, it's wild to me, Jake, is like some of these questions that they asked him, while not complicated in any way, it's just like, I has anyone ever asked Kevin these questions, like, in the yeah. local media? Like, they're t- I had no idea that he was on the Viking staff during the Minnesota Miracle. Now, I, should I just know that? Because, like, that's where he was at the time in his coaching career? Sure, but, like, I've never heard him talk about that. I've never heard him talk about what that experience was like watching that play. Um, I've never heard him talk about um, how he was, it was his first year as an, uh, like an offensive assistant when the Vikings brought in Brett Favre and he was just like sitting in the quarterback room with, with Brett Favre's first season uh, with the Vikings and like taking all that in. Like, I just, I don't feel like anyone has ever like sat down and had like that type of conversation with him where it's like, how did you get to where you are? Tell me about this. Tell me about this. And like, for it to be too barstool kind of just like, dudes is like i tweeted it it's just like very it's a very interesting and maybe not super great look for you know the the local media group where like we don't feel we know anything about this guy now that's you know it's two sides of the coin kevin doesn't show a lot of himself but he also 
um, you can just, you could tell the difference in like the comfortability level that was in that interview. Um, I, the other thing that I just loved and, and maybe you didn't love it as much as I did, but I just loved his answers about, you know, they did the whole, like, why don't you run the ball enough? I mean, it was all tongue in cheek as with these guys. It usually is, but like, you know, they were like, why don't you run the ball? And you, you should write down on your play sheet that you should run the damn ball. And he had a couple of responses that I thought were great. One, he said, you know, I'd rather write on my play sheet, score points any way possible, which I loved. And then the other one was, you know, they, they made a joke basically like, hey, you know, did you know that if you run the ball successfully that, you know, the teams are teams have some record of like, they're like undefeated when they run the ball at this success rate or whatever, which is, you know, they're running the ball because they're winning the game, which is an argument that we have on Twitter all the time during Brown season. But he was like, yeah, you know, there's the causation thing. He's like, yeah, there's a statistic about, you know, if you give Nick Chubb more than 20 carries or 25 carries or whatever, you know, we're undefeated. He's like, so maybe one game next year, I'll hand it off to him 24 straight times and, uh, and just see where that gets us. And I, I personally love that because he probably hears a lot and maybe to your point, maybe he hears more than he should, but like, he never really speaks on any of it. He takes sort of criticism for his play calling from people that wish they would just hand the ball off 40 times a game. And I love that he, that he had a little bit of a fun response with it um, and could laugh about it a little bit. Um, and cause again, like you said, like you just don't get to see that side of him very often at all. So I loved it. And I love that if he was on Brown's Twitter, if Kevin Stefanski had a Twitter account at Stefanski 69, he would be on the right side of Brown's Twitter. He would be on our side, Jake. He would be on our side as in our area of Brown's Twitter. And truly that makes me like him as a coach even more just to know that he would be on the the sane part of Brown's Twitter. So th- those were kind of my biggest takeaways. What did uh, – I know you were a little like, oh, okay, maybe he's – you know, is does he have a burner account? Does he have people printing out tweets about his uh, about what his play calling? But, uh, yeah, what were your biggest takeaways? I think you said a lot of it really well. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have – I think – okay, he's very self-deprecating. He's certainly aware of, like, where things have gone wrong or for him or – where they've gone wrong in any form or fashion, right? Like poking fun at the Michael Myers play, right? Like yeah, he is, knows when know, people did, are coming after him. No, of course he, not. We have, they never would. play Michael Myers. Yeah, it's, like he would never open about. up it's about like that, that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And and I think you're right. I think you're right about like this. Um, I think you're right about the angle of it being on Barstool. But let me say that if he gave this interview of this nature to one of the um i'm trying to be delicate here uh rival uh and and very much uh believing in themselves we'll put it that way people up in cleveland i think he felt he would have offended people if he picked one of them to do this for so the fact that he did it for someone outside of the cleveland media's in-house group i'm not surprised now the barstool group is funny but where like they're a group that can like they started the interview off with reading a tweet about which one between Dennis Allen and Kevin Stefanski yeah. would not be a fuck up. Like you could just tell that this was, he's comforted. He's, he finds comfort in humor. Like he, he's yep. clearly a laugh at uh situations, laughing himself type of guy. And I, I like that about him. Like, yeah, he clearly has a pretty serious demeanor, but he also is very willing to like poke fun at himself for, for messing something up or something going sideways. And like, he's not somebody that takes himself too serious. And I don't think you can take yourself too serious in this stuff. And, I appreciated that about him, but like, yeah, to your point about some things like, I mean, it was just interesting to me that every single thing that he's been picked on about, he knew it's like, is that a good thing? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But, uh, it was just funny to hear him talk about a lot of them. And obviously there were a lot of little nuggets, like you said about, you know, uh, score points. Don't, don't give Nick, you know, find the best way to score points, so on and so forth. And it was, I was really funny. I don't know if you saw this, but today the Brown social media team put out a video of Nick Chubb, like breaking yeah, tackles. I, and it was I, like, I are these guys in on that. it too? Because it's, it's so funny. You know, people got mad. Like there's a group of people that got like upset about that comment. The people who don't like Kevin, obviously got upset oh, about that comment and trying to, 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 to swerve it and move it. And it's like, Hey, they're not, he's not talking about, limiting Nick he's talking about the correlation between 
being up the, 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 the very correct thought process of throw to lead and run to win. Like he's talking about the nature by which they score points and then teams closing it out with the run game, which the Browns do really well when they're, when they're leading is, uh, I do close out games um, running it. But, but yeah, I mean like it was, it was good. It was good to see him in a comfortable setting, laughing, having fun with it. And it's well worth it if anybody wants to get out and know a little bit more about Kevin. But yeah, you, I mean, like I just I, the first thing that came to my mind as I went through it is like, damn, he's aware of every single thing that people pick on him about. Like, that's kind yeah. of amazing. You almost have to have like an assistant coach or somebody telling you or be plugged in to social media yourself which i'm not accusing him of doing that but i feel like man to know every single thing you're getting picked on about yeah, it's hard I mean, man all of these guys imagine he's got kids you know, too you know like yeah, i'm sure they yeah. they hear everything so it's but, hard but to like imagine yourself. getting real-time feedback on like your job like people couldn't do this oh, in 10 years horrible. ago and now you can be like what do people think of me and i should probably stay off this but it's but hard not to yeah. name search man you know so it's going to happen. Um, so I'm trying not to be like, he's a total screw up for knowing all these things. I, the way he was able to handle them in a funny way while also adding in some sharp witted, like, Oh that, yeah, he's a pretty, he's a pretty damn smart dude about how he approached, you know, I'm, I'm one of the biggest process over results guys out there. And I think you are too. And he's clearly driven that way, but it, when yeah. things go sideways, he's got the ability to say like, you know, I'd, be pissed at me too, or I'd boo me too. Like I, yeah. he just is. Yeah. Uh, it was great. I, I, it's like a ten out of ten to me. Like I really enjoyed everything about what he did there. I agree, and I think like you know, it's interesting because you know the barstool guys have the luxury of not. They don't have to ask him really any super serious questions. You know, they didn't ask anything about Deshaun. They made a joke at the end about like next interview we'll only ask you Deshaun Watson questions. But like you know, they're not. Those guys are not there to ask super serious questions. Half of the end of the interview was them talking about, you know, you should buy two dogs for your children. So, like, that's the type of thing it was. So I think, you yeah. know, it, it's hard to walk a line, especially when you're in the Cleveland media that is covering this team on a daily basis. And it's a small group of people. Like, you know, you have to, in a sense, be – you know, you have to be unbiased. You have to have this sort of critical eye of what the Browns are doing and all that. But I think like there is a, there's a line to walk that's in between, you know, because I don't think there's really anyone that he would feel like to your point that he would feel comfortable having that kind of conversation with. Like I think about, like, I think right after the season uh, he went, they, the Browns had him go on a little like media tour. Like he went on 92.3, he went on 850 and like they have their PR guy sitting next to him during the interviews like sitting in yeah. <laughs> and it's just like that that type of and that's on the browns too you know like that's that's both sides we're like okay yes we have there we there are some characters in cleveland media and there are people that ask questions and you're just like what is the point of this but then so then the browns probably feel like we have to have a pr guy in here to kind of set that tone but like that is not the the space for a an, an enlightening interview that's going to tell even if you want to be critical and I don't think again like you can see he laughs at himself about stuff I don't think he's beyond admitting some of the you know play calls he wants back or things he would have done differently like he did it in that interview today so I, I just think there's a lot I just remember seeing like the Browns PR guy being in those interviews is such a clear sign of like you know we're not going to answer any we're ready for whatever you're bringing. We're not going to be answering any questions we don't deem necessary to answer. And that's a really bad relationship to have with an organization that you cover, you know, like that type of, that type of thing. There should be no need to have that. Um, so there's got to be a way, I think, like bigger picture with Kevin and, and he became so polarizing this season. Uh, but like, you know, you're just not getting that insight into a person from anyone sort of on the local media scene that, that has that relationship yeah. with him that could sit down and have that conversation. And I think that's a shame um, because it shouldn't, it really shouldn't be like that. Um, and I think there's a way for, where you can cover a team objectively, but you can also have a conversation where he's going to talk about football stuff and give you insight into things, you know, like yeah. that was the first time we gotten any insights in like his thinking on fourth downs, you know, he has a game management guy in his ear, like for them to be able to ask those questions and get answers. And, and we don't get that from anybody who covers them on a daily basis. That's bad, man. You know, like that is not a great look. So I think like, to me, that's also the bigger picture thing is like, 
there's got to be a, a line to toe where you can get insight and, and understand the football mind of a head coach of the biggest team in town. Um, and we don't we don't get that. That's also why this interview was so eye open. So I think that's you know, that's a problem in itself. Yeah. The, the thing that also stood out to me, too, is like in kind of the way Kevin goes about things is so much of now the interview with somebody local would have to be happening in the off season too. So it's never going to happen in season. And it's like the thing that's always so interesting to me is in, in really how these guys framed it. I'll give them credit. Kevin's very willing to take blame himself and he's yep. very willing like to be too, like too like, willing sometimes. Yes. And, and that's what that, blame. that the conversation was about him. So much of the in season stuff and the way the Browns media is is just they've they've almost and again, and I'm talking I don't I hate saying Browns media, but the people on site, the beat reporters who do this day to day, is they've been scarred into like having the worst view of the Browns. It's just yeah. I'm not blaming them. It's just the way like the Browns have done this to them. They've it's just yes. they've done it to no, them. That's a, that's a great point. And it's but but what they're always doing and why they get mad at Kevin is they're looking for blame. They always want to play who's to blame and they want him to give them something about who's to blame. And he will never do that. He'll never do it. You want him to do it. He will never do it. So like largely that's where the relationship I think there goes a little sideways. And I think that like, of course, if you're, you know, either tweeting, bad mouthing him sort of sideways, bad mouthing him or whatever. And then you're like, Hey man, what do you think about a sit down interview over the, he's not going to want to do that with <laughs> no, you. He's not going to be comfortable to do that at all. Yeah. No, so I, like, that's why these guys and the way they, you know, I'm not surprised that they got him and I'm not surprised that the way it went because they framed it in a way it wasn't like, Hey Kevin, why'd your offense go to shit this year? Because he would have said, it's my fault. Like it was my fault. We, if they would have asked that question, he would have said, I got to be better. He would not have given them an answer about another player. And that is a large way things are framed, right? You don't hear them ask questions up there about like, Kevin, hey, you know, I, I remember you in 2019 with the Vikings had a pretty similar situation to this and you did this, but this time you did this. Like that, he would open up so well to that question. He would open up so well, but he doesn't get it's, those questions. So it's just the no, framing of this interview was different and it was the timing was right. And again, it was away from people that he feels just don't, I don't think they understand him. And, they, and the, the people that I think he feels like are kind of gunning for him. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And I'm not saying you weren't either, but no, I, that's just sort of where I am on the Cleveland media side of it. No, I think that's a great, that's a really great perspective. I, I think the only thing I was surprised by, I think was just the level of sort of insight. Like I feel like in just like 30 minutes or however long that interview was that I learned more about him just as like a dude than I have the yeah. entire time he's been in Cleveland. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, to an extent, it's like, yeah, th that is not an interview that you can get as a as a beat reporter. Like, you're just not going to get it. And and I think that's totally fair. Um, but I think like my other my biggest frustration, and I have a feeling that you have this, too. There was a clip the other day of um, Steve Clifford, who's the coach of the Charlotte Hornets, who the Cavs are going to be mm -hmm. playing in a, in a couple of days here. Um, I don't know if you follow him, but a, a guy on, on Twitter that has become a really great basketball reporter, his name is Nikias Duncan, I think is his last name. Um, he's on Twitter. I followed him for a while. He's really become a prominent sort of um, mind in the space. And he went to a, a Hornets game. I think it was actually the game. It was, it might've been Kevin Durant's official debut as a son. Um, and he asked Steve Clifford a question about like how there's been this offensive explosion in the NBA. Um, you know, teams are scoring at will. The, the shot makers that exist in the league right now are at an all-time high. Like, it feels impossible to stop offenses. And he asked Steve Clifford, like, how can defenses evolve? Like, what's the next step for a defense to sort of combat this? And Steve Clifford gave him, like, a three-minute answer. And it's this in-depth, like, really insightful – because it's something that, like, he knows and cares about and will talk about. And it's this incredible answer. And it reminded me a little – and it's insane to say that, like, two guys from Barstool Sports are the ones that are getting these answers. But if you ask guys interesting questions about football, whatever their sport is, you will get interesting answers. And to your point, all of those press well, conferences On your, are, real quick uh, before I, before yeah. I forget it, uh, in yeah. the Cleveland markets, uh, is it Spencer Davies, I think is his name? He does a great job yeah. covering the Cavs. He Absolutely. asked Greg Popovich a great question a while back. I'm sure you saw it. Where he asked Popovich like, 
the Spurs suck now. And it's clearly different than their dynasty run. And he's like, Hey, what do you get out of this? Like, what's your satisfaction now? How is it different now than it was when you were pursuing and chasing the highest levels of this thing? And you could see pop was like, that's a great question. And he goes into this like two or three minute answers and it was great. And I just think that like with so much of what the question asking is up there, they, it's just, I'm not trying to bash anybody because you're, they're doing job, like, but I don't think it's meant to make them think all the time. It's just meant to be this, like, and some of it's the nature of the job where you just have to gather news. Somebody's hurt. Somebody playing this week is whatever, whatever, but there's just not always a great platform for the great questions. And like, um, again, some of it is, a, you, you probably see Andy Reed in Kansas city, get a lot of, a lot more, great questions than you do in Cleveland just because again the nature of what they've sat through is so challenging that you're just programmed to think one way about this whole thing of like seeking out blame who's to blame why did it go wrong and tell us like and if you don't tell us you know you're not the guy to fix it because you don't maybe don't know how to fix it right I don't know it just it's it's a slippery slope but there's not many like Doug LaMarie is great at it like Doug is really good at getting those questions that make you think and um yeah. and you can and you can yeah. do both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can ask your questions that you need for your, you know, the the story you have to write for a deadline, but you can also get a way more thoughtful and in-depth answer if your question isn't, "Hey, on uh on, you know, you didn't hand it off one time to Nick Chubb in the red zone on on that last drive, why not?" You know, like that, you know, you're just not he's going to give you a generic like I felt that was the right, you know, those were the right play calls at the time instead of you know, phrasing that in a way where like, you know, what defensive look were you guys getting that you felt like throwing the ball? You know, there's just ways to do it where you're going to get an insightful answer. And I just don't think, like you said, like the sort of how me, and this is not just in Cleveland, this is everywhere, like how the media sports media can operate in some places, especially in post-game pressers when the emotion is still fresh, are these very like adversarial questions that you're just not going to get answers to or or answers that matter you know and then that frustrates the reporters and then it's just a vicious cycle but I think when you see like what how you can ask people questions especially coaches and and the answers that they will give when they're actually thoughtful insightful questions I think it would just like open up so much more in terms of how like what we can learn about games what we can learn about personalities and like there just isn't enough of it. Um, so it, it was, yeah. that is full circle to say that it was nice to be able to see this kind of interview. And I think it, honestly, I think it will do like all the comments on the YouTube page were like, I've never seen this side of Kevin. This is awesome. I think it's going to do wonders at least through the off season for like how people think about him. Um, so it's just very, and Deshaun, Deshaun yeah. gave one that was really good too. I mean, he's yep. his, uh, you know, very controlled with Quincy Avery guy knows really well, but like you right. got a lot of football stuff there. And like, that to me, that the, the, there should be, and they, they got time with Kevin the other day at the combine local local group did too, and man, somebody asked it where Deshaun said, you know, what was different to me is that where wherever I've been, I've called out protections, I've done so on and so forth, like I've identified yeah. the mic, called out protections, and here the center does it, and like there's like eight questions I would love to ask Kevin about that, like why do you think why is the center What's the advantageous part of a center doing that? You know, if a quarterback tells you he really wants to do it, are you willing to let him do it? Why would you not let him do it? Like, like there's just so much there that you just don't get. He doesn't get it. And, and, and like when he does get it, he's so unused to a question like that, that it uh he doesn't open up about it. And maybe it's like yep. Kevin's just maybe more comfortable in these bigger group settings, you know, uh, less comfortable, sorry. And like getting him one-on-one the way they did, he's more inclined to go into some of that stuff. I, I don't know, but, but nonetheless, it was, it was cool to finally get some of it. Right. Cause we've been just kind of all hankering for something with Kevin and it was cool to see him yep. open up in that way, you know? Yeah. And I think too, to your point about like Andy Reid, like when you're winning, it becomes easier to, have a good relationship with the people that are covering you. And, you know, when things are good, (laughs) it is easier to sort of have time for those questions because maybe you just beat a team 50 to 14 and there's, you know, there's not much to ask in way of like, why didn't you do this? Um, So that's, you know, that if, if, and hopefully when the Browns 
have a bounce back season this this upcoming season. Um, you know, maybe they can get to that place, but like, I think there's still room, and hopefully, we see more of this moving forward. Where it's like it doesn't have to be the way that all these press conferences are, all these media gatherings are. Like, there's there's insight to be gained. You know, and that's what the service to, you know, that's what the journalism service should be to the readers, man. Like, we're, this is what I, what I want. This is what people want is to learn about the team, to learn about the people on the team, to learn the stories that are behind these people. And like, we just, you know, that's sort of storytelling and insight has just been gobbled up into, you know, these short sound bites and all that stuff. And that makes me sound like an, old man yelling at a cloud and I am not that person, but like, but when it comes to journalism and something that I care very deeply about and, and that type of thing that you and I both are, you know, in those circles, it's just like, man, you just don't get that stuff. And when you do get it, it's just like, wow, like that's, I love, I eat that stuff up. Like both the Deshaun interview and the Stefanski interview, I eat that stuff up. That's way more interesting to me than anything else, you know? So I, I just hope we can get more of it in the future. If you're not learning something or coming to understand something about someone from what you're reading, like, why are you reading it? I I just, the whole angle of why I got into doing what I'm doing is built on, like, I want to teach you something or show you something from a perspective you maybe haven't seen before to challenge your thought process or whatever. So like, that is always the goal to me because that's what we should be doing is teaching people about the players or teaching people about the decisions the players are making. Uh, something like that. That's when you get something out of it, in, in, in my opinion. So I, I very much, I very much agree. So um, yeah, man, let's put a bow on it. I think that's that's good. The Kevin stuff here is is fun. I urge you to go out and check out that uh, check out that interview. It's well worth your time if you want to know more about the guy leading the Cleveland Browns. It's uh, very insightful. And then um, we'll see what happens with Lamar. It's going to be a topic. Uh, you know, the hope for us on this side of things is. Immediately when it happened, I thought, okay, Lamar's finally out of this division. Yeah, get, him out, sc- get him out of here. Come Worst on. case scenario is that the Ravens, the Ravens somehow get to keep him on $32 million instead of, <laughs> like, that would just make me furious. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully this thing gets so tenuous that they just say it's irreconcilable. That's the biggest hope at this point because there's not going to be somebody to sweep in and and uh, make those make that contract we're talking about. At least it can get tenuous and get him out of here. Like that's the point. Like I love, I want Lamar to go to the NFC so I can root for him instead of yes, having to deal 100%. with him here. So we covered it. Listen for Jordan, for me at the OBR film breakdown, we appreciate stopping by um, continue to check out Jordan's consistent content over at sporting news. They're doing a great job. You can find him on Twitter as you know, and always have uh, he's a loyal, loyal visitor to this podcast and we very much appreciate him. So thanks to Jordan. Thanks to you guys. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. We'll see what we have for you then. I don't even know what we're going to talk about, but we'll figure something out. Free agency is getting close, so we'll probably hit up some some names that we need to pay attention to there as, uh, as this thing's creeping towards some legal tampering starting next week. Thanks for being here today. Have a great day. Go Browns.